Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Josh. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm the lead teaching pastor here at uh, Vertical Church and so excited to see you today. Um, yeah, it's, good. it's a good day to be here. It's Martin Luther King weekend, so some of you have a three-day weekend, right? Uh-huh. Right, some of you are excited about that. Got a day off of work. I don't have to go in. That is awesome. And so, uh, glad you, you chose to be here with us this morning. We're honored that you would, uh, that you would worship with us. And so, uh, let's, let's dive right in today. We've been in a series called uh, Fresh Air. We've been in this thing. This is now our third week uh, in Fresh Air. And uh, the first two weeks, we talked about how to get fresh air in your life. How to uh, experience uh, this, this new life, this new momentum uh, in your life. And... Um, you know, talked about you know falling in love with Jesus by focusing on His love for us. We talked about um, experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit as a daily part of our lives because He is the source of fresh air. And what I want to do today is I want to begin uh, going into some very, very practical areas of our lives where we have a tendency to lose fresh air. Because, because it's not enough just to make sure that we have air coming in. Many of us struggle with whenever we receive air in, air just goes out just as fast. And so what I want to do today is I want to begin over the next few weeks talking about some really, really practical ways that we lose the air in our lives. And it just gets you know, sucked right out of us. And so, kind of, you know, if this is your first time, if you're just coming back to church or whatever... Um, this may feel awkward, but it's actually really helpful, really helpful. But, you might, you know, if you're your first time back, just be aware that, you know, talking mainly to people who have already committed their lives to Jesus and are ordering their lives according to what they believe he's spoken to them. Because today we're going to talk about money. See, it's real quiet. It's real quiet in church when you talk about money because, you know, people have this... I know I almost dropped it. People have this misperception about when churches talk about money. Because most people think that, well, the church is talking about well, Some people think the church does nothing but talk about money. Lord, every time I go to that church, I always talk about money. And we're not that kind of church, but occasionally when it's, when it's appropriate, when, when we're talking about how we tend to lose air and, and our lives are stale, one of those areas is finances. Look, I... I can, I can testify to this personally. This is the most common area of my own life where I experience the air being sucked right out of my, my, my sails. It's the area of personal finances. It, it's the area that causes me the most stress. It's the area that causes me fear and worry. Um, but we're going to talk about it today because you don't want to lose the air that the Holy Spirit's breathing into your life. And this is one of the ways that we can lose that. But... Here's the problem. Most of us, when I say, you know, we're going to talk about money, we're going to talk about finances, you assume one of a few things. You assume either, um, you know, we're in desperate need for your money. And that's all we're focused on. We just want something from you. We want whatever's in your wallet, whatever's in your purse. But, see, that's not, that's, that's not it. That's, that's just, you might be even thinking, well, Pastor Josh wants a Mercedes to drive around. I have a van. I'm not, I don't, I have... Two kids and a third on the way. I don't have room for a sports car, okay? Listen, that's not what this is about. What this is about, and I've got an illustration to try to help you. Um, do y'all have one of these in your house? 
This is an air pump. Okay? You might use this to, uh, to pump up an air mattress. That's why we have it. You might have a pool at your house and you do you know, inflatable pool toys. And so you use this to, to pump air into them. This is the hose. This gets attached, right? Well, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with an air pump, but there's actually two ways to attach this hose. You see, I can attach it to this side. I turn it on. And air will come out here and fill up whatever I'm trying to fill up. Air mattress, uh, you know, inflatable toy, a balloon, I don't know, whatever you're trying to fill up. But, you see, there's two connections on the air pump. If I take it off, and I don't know if you've ever done this, I have done this plenty of times. If I'm not paying attention and my hose is connected to the wrong side, and I turn this thing on, I stick it in whatever I'm wanting to fill up, and I turn it on, which just sucks the air right out of it. And so the thing that I'm wanting to inflate, the thing that I'm wanting to fill with air, because I've hooked the hose to the wrong side, it sucks the air out of it. So what I want to ask you this morning, in the area of your own personal finances, which side of the air pump is your hose hooked up to? Because it's a choice. And I'm going to show you today, you have a choice of two connections. We're going to talk about two cycles. The stale air cycle and the fresh air cycle. That's pretty good, right? Fresh air, stale air. I don't know which one you want in your personal finances. Me, me individually, I'd like some fresh air. I like fresh air in my bank account. I like fresh air in my wallet. I like fresh air in my checking checkbook. And so I want to make sure my hose is not connected to the end of the pump that's sucking air out. That's what we're trying to do today. Because, see, we're not interested in what we can get from you, what you're going to give in the offering, what you're going to write your tithe check for. We're not interested in that. We want something for you. I want your, your financial life to be uh, fresh. And I want you to have fresh air in those areas of your life. And so that's why we're talking about it today. Also, because look, man, this is, is there a more relevant subject? I mean, how many of you this week have received a paycheck? Or, or this, this year? I received a paycheck this year. Okay, a little bit lighter, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Payroll tax. Yeah. Right? A little bit lighter. You know, I'm not trying to go into all the, the politics that went on, but listen. It's a relevant subject because Americans... Do you know that 40% of Americans will spend over 110% of what they bring in? What, what, what are you saying? We are spending, you see, we, we've got it all backwards. We want to point fingers and blame. You know, the White House needs to get in order and Congress needs to get in order. Listen, listen, we can't point fingers at the White House until we get our own house in order. Amen. When we're spending 110% of what we're bringing in, we can't point at somebody else and say you need to spend less. Because we're hypocrites. We're hypocrites. And so, so what we, listen, of that 40%, did you know that 65% of people literally live paycheck to paycheck? And of those people that live paycheck to paycheck, 20% of them make over $100,000 a year. Most of, you, most of you have this idea that if, you, if I could just make $100,000 a year, I'd be set. I'd be, I would put myself in the classification of rich. Listen, listen, listen. There are people who you would call rich making $100,000 a year. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because we have a spending problem. We have, we have our hose connected to the wrong end of the air pump. 
And so we're getting the life, the air just sucked right out of us. And it doesn't matter how much is coming in because it's all going back out. Did you know that we as Americans have over $900 billion of credit card debt? And it's so taboo to talk about this, to talk about debt, to talk about how we've overextended ourselves, that statistically people would be more willing to talk about their weight problems. <laughs> you Listen, I don't know about where you grew up, but where I grew up, you didn't ask somebody how much they weighed. But people would be more willing to answer that question, hey, how much you weigh? You look like you packed on a few pounds over Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, they'd be more willing to answer that question than saying, hey, how, how much debt you got? Because I think you packed on a few pounds over Christmas. People are more willing to talk about their weight issues, their health problems, than they are their own debt problems. It's that taboo. But it's such a problem because you know this, when we have terms like fiscal cliff and, and debt ceiling and the Great Recession, when that's common vocabulary, then it's a problem. And if it's a problem, then the church needs to address it because most people don't have fresh air in their financial lives. Most people are spending money that they don't have to impress people that they don't really like so that they can get a job that they kind of hate to live in a neighborhood where they don't even get to spend time with their neighbors because they're spending all the time at work. we got to get fresh air. Most of us, many of us in our country, in our world, we're living on financial life support. We're barely making ends meet, and we're we're getting to the end of our end of the month, and we're we're holding our breath just to see if we're going to have enough in our bank account to finish the month. We're like people with financial asthma, wanting to breathe in fresh air, but but grasping and laboring over every single breath. We're we're not unlike the people that. A uh, prophet named Haggai in, in the Old Testament lived out. Listen how relevant his words are. I'm talking thousands of years ago. This guy writes to this little ethnic group in the Middle East. And listen to what he says. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It's on the back of your program if you want to follow along. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. And look at this last sentence. Does this not, is this not so descriptive of our culture today? You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You ever feel like your wallet had a hole in it? You ever feel like your purse every time you put, you ever feel like your bank account has a hole in it? Yeah, I felt like that too. Stinks, doesn't it? It stinks having the, the life sucked out of you because of financial anxiety, financial fear, financial worry and stress. It's a global problem. I mean, we've heard news reports of whole countries, the economy on the on the verge of collapse because they're they're headlong into a recession. We we've we've seen other countries where, where it's just plagued them over and over and they can't seem to escape. And what we want, we want solutions. We want, we want a new way of dealing with debt and credit and, and wealth and poverty and all this stuff because, because we want fresh air, but we're just so tired of dealing with it. And here's what I think, okay? I'm going to do a couple of drawings for you today because here's, here's where I think we are. We are. This is what we struggle with. I'm going to call this, um, like I said, the stale air 
side hole. If you can't see, we're going to try to have this up on the screen for you, okay? Um, here's what happens. Now, whatever happens in your life, you experience some kind of financial blessing, okay? It's where we all start. You get a job, you got some income coming in, you know, you've got money to spend. So we're going to start here. We're going to call that uh, financial... I totally misspelled that, didn't I? Uh, there we go. That's a C. It's not an A. Uh, we can call that financial blessing. Okay? Might be a job. It might be an inheritance that you receive. Or maybe, you know, as you're going to see, we're going to, to make this all the way around. Because what happens after financial blessing is financial blessing leads to prosperity. we got enough. And, and sometimes we have more than enough. We have more than enough to pay our, our most basic bills. We have more than enough to pay our, our rent or our mortgage. We have more than enough to spend on our food. And so we experience, because of this financial blessing, because we have a job or, or income or inheritance or you win the lottery, I don't know what you do to get money. But we experience this financial blessing and that leads to some level of prosperity. But here's where the problem begins, because most of us don't really know how to handle prosperity. Most of us don't know how to handle material abundance. So what happens is prosperity gets stirred up, and our cycle goes around, and it turns in to greed. <coughs> prosperity turns into greed, and here's why. I'm going to teach you this word. Let me see where I can, can write it here that will... Able to see. Let's just write it right here. There's this law. It's called the law of diminishing returns. Let me explain that to you. What that means is the more you get, the more you want. <laughs> because, because the more the more you have, the less it satisfies you. And so you're not content. You know, maybe let's just uh, let's just use some really basic numbers. Maybe you used to make a thousand dollars a week and you were content with that. But as time went on, $1,000 a week didn't do it for you like it used to. So now you want $1,250 a week. It's the law of diminishing returns. The more you get, the less it satisfies us. The more we have, the less. You can even think of it like this. I, I like to try to give you some, some ways to think about this. Greater, actually, greater than actually equals less than. You, you can, if you want to make a note, this is a real cool way to make the note. Greater than equals less than. The greater the prosperity is, the less it actually satisfies you. You see this in families. You see this in, in businesses. You can see this in churches. The more you have, the more you want. The more you spend, the more you want to spend. Right? Everybody, everybody wants more than they have. You ever ask anybody, well, what do you consider to be rich? It's whatever the next pay grade is. It's not what I have. It's not the pay grade I'm at, it's the next one. And then when you get to the next one, it's the same way of like, what's old? You ask a teenager what old is, it's like 35. You ask a 30-year-old what old is, it's like 65, right? It's, it's whatever the next stage is. And this is the reason even that some businesses collapse. Because you have a business, you know, a, a computer business. We saw this in the, in the, in the dot-com and the, the technological kind of boom of the 90s and early 2000s. You, you're really good at doing this. You're the best in the field at this. But then you're doing this so well, you've got a little bit of prosperity. Now you want to do more, 
And so you start doing, you know, you stop making really great widgets and you start doing something else. And then your widget making business suffers because you haven't put the attention into detail in that area. And so the, the company collapses because the thing they were really great at and they wanted more, they're not so great at it anymore. And so you see this time and time again. I mean, you can, you can blame the diminishing returns. You can blame greed for the reason our, our, our national debt has, has tripled and quadrupled over recent years. Because why? The more we spend, the more we want to spend. It's the law of diminishing returns. It's really an irony of wealth. Because we think, you know, if we could just get to the next level, whatever the next level is, then our life would be easier. And, and we would have more pleasure, you know. If I could just make, if I could just get that raise and that promotion that I've been wanting, then, you know, I would have some peace. You see, money can't bring you peace. Money, money is actually, it is impossible for money to bring you peace. It can bring you happiness. It can rent you some really great friends. Right? Like TLC sang about in the late 90s, scrubs. Money can get you some scrubs that will sit in the passenger side of the best friend's ride, right? Trying to holler at me. Hey, listen, TLC up in this place. Money can get you some scrubs, but, but money can't heal your marriage. Money can't, money can't rescue your kid. It can make you happy, but it can't bring you joy. And so, so what happens is actually it, has the, it, it can have the reverse effect. It can actually rob us of peace. Why? Because the more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to worry about. The more stuff you, you acquire, the more stuff you're worrying about somebody stealing from you. And so it can actually do the opposite of what we hope it will do, which is bring us peace. It can bring us worry. Did you know that, that the more a person makes, the greedier they become? Because statistically, the more income a person has, the less they give to, to nonprofits and charity organizations. As a matter of fact, they, they did a whole study, and, and the people who give the most percentage of their income are what we would classify as poor. And the wealthier people become, the less that percentage is. Not interesting. Why? Well, it's an area of greed. It's a, it's a thing about diminishing returns. The more we have, the less it satisfies us. And so what happens then is that because it's not satisfying us, we have to then reach into the future, and that's where we have debt. Because greed will reach into the future and spend money that you don't have yet. And that's where we acquire debt. And as, and as greed grows bigger, our debt grows bigger, so we feel the need to borrow more and more. Why? To satisfy the need. The need for greed. Make top gun fans. All right, I guess not. Anyway, <laughs> debt will grow, and, and, and we have to spend beyond what our financial blessing is just to feel the same way as we used to feel. And let me tell you, debt is really just a fancy word. For slavery. That's all debt is. Debt's just a polite word for slavery. Listen to what listen to what Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter twenty two, verse seven. Proverbs says, The rich rule over the poor. Have you ever wondered why it seems like the more people have, the more they get? What's the rich rule over the poor? It was written thousands of years ago. It's an observation. Have you ever wondered why the rich get richer? Because the rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is what? Slave. The lender. Why? Because debt is really just a polite word for slavery. 
And so what happens? Look, now we're in slavery. Now we need a financial blessing to break us out. Or we might even we might even be able to say now we need to experience some kind of freedom. We need God to do something out of the box for us, some kind of financial blessing, some kind of extra boost so that we can get out of our slavery. We need to be rescued. So so we end up on this on this nonstop cycle like a treadmill that just wears us out. What, what does that look like in a country? Well, you've got some financial blessing. Then you've got prosperity. So now you want to spend all this money, money, money. You rack up this debt. People in slavery, now you've got to raise taxes. Why? Because you need more to get out of, right? That's what, that's what happens. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just saying this is the cycle of stale air. You do this in your own life. You have a job. You get prosperity. You have enough. Your greed grows. You build. A, you buy a house that you can't really afford. That creates debt. Now you're in slavery. Now you need something to happen, a raise, some kind of financial blessing to get you out of it. It's the cycle that we're on. Is there a different choice? Because, see, there's not only just a stale air cycle. I believe, and this is what I hope you take away today, I believe there's also... A fresh air cycle that we can experience. And that's what I want to tell you about today. Because like I said, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. I want you to live on the fresh air cycle. I want you to experience. I don't want you to be going around the treadmill tired and then just all the energy sucked out of you because your finances are a wreck. I want you to live on the fresh air cycle. And so here's how it starts. Fresh air cycle starts with this. You know, same way, we experience some kind of financial blessing. But here's what we do in our lives. Here's how we get on the cycle. The first thing is this. It's, it's four, we, we could even call them four values. And I'm going to show you some, some things you can do to exercise that value. The first one is this. We have to start, number one, with integrity. Integrity. That's, that's where we have to start. If we're going to have a new way of thinking about our finances, if we're going to experience fresh air, we have the first connection to the air pump of our finances that we need to make is integrity. And here's what that means. You have to make a truthful inventory of where you're at. You know what this looks like? This looks boring. This looks like grabbing all the receipts, all the bills. You've got to know what you're spending before you do anything else. You got to know where you're at. You got to take a look in the mirror and stop trying to put all the spin on it and all the well, you know, it was just this month that we did the. You got you to cut all that aside. You got to have integrity when you look at it and just take an honest look in the mirror and say, "Here's where we are." You know, this week we, we all over the news is all about you know Lance Armstrong, Manti Teo, you know all these people who have what they've not had integrity for so long and now they're finally taking a look in the mirror and saying. That stinks. That's where it starts. Though, so if we're going to get on the fresh air cycle, we have to start here. We have to start with integrity. We have to ask ourselves: How do we how, how do we handle our financial decisions behind closed doors? Here's a here's a great question to ask. This is really uncomfortable. I'm about to walk up in some of y'all's living room, sit down, and work, and get a cup of coffee. If your family, if you printed your expenditures for the year, and Made them public. Hey, here's what we spent on everything that we spent this year, and you made it public. What would embarrass you? What would embarrass you? You know what that's called? It's called taking an inventory. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, but it's a great question to ask. You know, what would, gosh, what would, what would embarrass me? Right? 
Yikes. It's kind of... So you've got to start here. You've got to start with a truthful, honest, clear picture of where you are. Where you are. You've got to know exactly what you're doing with what you have before you can make any changes. And for those of us in the room who would, who would proclaim that we are a follower of Jesus, this is even more important because we believe that God sees what we're doing. It's not just that, you know, we got to get it in order. We believe that God knows how we handle His blessings in our lives. God's watching. And so, but here's what happens. If you start out with integrity, here's what you can do. You can move on to step two. And that's a fancy, fancy word called stewardship. And this word steward is just an old English word that means manager. That's all it means. Manager. Let me put a number two because I started with number one. Manager, you got to begin to manage your finances in a way that, again, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's not only responsible but also pleases God. Because here's the catch. Again, if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room, then, then you're exempt from this. But if you are, we would all affirm that God owns it all. Right? Amen. Wouldn't we all say, hey, look, this whole thing is God's. Every bit. He gave me the ability to do my job. Every, all of this is God's. But, but what happens is sometimes we fall into this owner mentality. Like, we own it. And it's mine. And so I'll do with it what I want to do with it. But look, if you, if you are, are a follower of Jesus, everything you have belongs to God. Everything. And so how we spend our money is so much bigger than, you know, uh, what, what we purchase and what we do with our paycheck and what we charge on the credit card and what we deposit in the bank. It's, it's so much bigger than that. Listen to what Jesus says, recorded by a physician guy named Luke, uh, roughly 2,000 years ago. Look what he says, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. This is amazing. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. What? Whoever manages a little, well, they can manage a lot. Whoever is dishonest, whoever can't manage with very little, will also not manage well with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, if you've not been a good steward, if you've not been a good manager, who's going to trust you with true riches? So, so do you hear what Jesus says? You've got to be a good manager. And so here's the really, I mean, this is incredibly boring uh, stuff, right? Because of being a good manager, you know what that looks like? It looks like developing... Develop and follow a budget. Look, some of y'all, that, that, that's the coolest thing I've ever said in this, in this auditorium. Because you're numbers people. And you're like, oh man, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. I'm all about that. Yeah, come on. But other people, you look at that and it, like just the word budget, you just feel this stress. It's like, oh God. Pastor's talking about budget. This thing is terrible. I wish I'd slap it. <laughs> but look, look, look I, I've experienced this Look, so I, I've had times in my life where the word budget felt restrictive And it felt like you were, oh gosh, really? But look, look, it, it's not restrictive It just provides a way forward it, it provides a compass So that we can navigate every day So we know what we're doing so that, so that, look, it can actually bring you peace Because have you ever had that feeling like you go to the store You buy a pair of pants, you get home and you're like Man, I should have bought these pants, that was too much Nobody? Yeah, I, okay, good deal. All right, so listen, what a budget does, it says, oh, no, i got money for pants right here, clothing right there, bam, I'm, I'm good. I don't have to be stressed about it. I'm, I've got peace because I know what I'm doing because if, if I've got it in my budget, then it's available and I can, bam, no, peace. It's 
not restrictive, it's, it's peace. And listen, like I said, some of us, you say budget, develop a budget, get, take an inventory, all this. Pastor Josh, you're talking Greek to me, bro. I don't have a clue how to do that. You know what? I, I understand. I hear you. And so here's what we've done. If, if you write this website down, verticalchurch.tv, it's our church website. If you go there and click on the link called Give, it's where you can do online giving. Uh, but also there's a little sublink called Financial, uh, I believe it's Financial Resources. If you click on there, there's a couple of really good articles from the people at Crown Financial Ministries. You don't know how to do a family budget. There's an article on there that says Family Budgeting. You download that, you read it, you inform yourself. You don't, you know, if you're wondering, you've got questions about giving and tithing in church, an article on there, download it, read it's, it's a way to inform you. But if all of that doesn't help, there's also a link to Crown Financial Ministries. He provides all kinds of free resources to help you do this. Do this. And so here's what happens, though. We start with integrity, go to stewardship. Step number three, we practice generosity. Generosity. We got to, you see, in the other cycle, it's all about what I can consume. In this cycle, we get to generosity. Now it's we live to give. Because look, 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 if we are truly following God and modeling God's behavior and Christ's behavior towards us, isn't, isn't he the ultimate giver? Yes. For God so loved the world that he gave. gave. And so what happens at this step, we can become conduits. Of God's extravagant love and His abundant provision in our lives. What would happen if, if Christians all over the world were known for their generosity? Have you ever thought about that? I've, I've thought about that this week. What would happen if churches all over the world were known? Like, man, that's Christians. You know, you say one thing about them, they're, they're kind of weird sometimes, kind of creepy sometimes, but man, they're generous. I got a feeling that if we were known as, as Christians for our generosity, then there's a lot of world problems that we would take care of. I mean, how many Christians are there in the world? And if we were known as generous people, gosh, I got to think that, you know, that whole, that whole dirty water, people drinking dirty water thing in third world countries, I think that'd probably be over. You know? And it's amazing what we could do with our generosity. And look, it's not even totally selfless. I'm not telling you just to be generous for generous sake. It's actually going to help you because look at what, again, Proverbs chapter 11 says, verse 24, 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. It's an observation. The, the more a person is generous, the more they receive. I don't understand that. That's weird to me. That, that logic does not work out. But I've experienced it. In my own life. Look, the, the next line. Another withholds unduly. Another person's greedy, but they come to poverty. So the generous person gets more, and the greedy person actually gets less. Verse 25, I love this. A generous person will prosper. You want to prosper? I want to prosper. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I'd love to experience some refreshing in my finances. In my, in my own personal life, I'd love to be refreshed. What does it say? A person who refreshes others. A person who's generous. So how can you practice generosity? Uh, is what we call it around here is we call it percentage giving. If you grew up in church, you might call it tithing. That's how we encourage you to practice generosity. 
Because tithing is, is about giving the first tenth. That, that is mind-boggling to think that, that we would say that, you know, whatever you bring in, we believe that you're supposed to give God a tenth of it. But it's, it's not even, man, it's not even about the percentage. So not even about the percentage. It's not about the tenth. It's about the first tenth. Because we get this idea that the, don't get me wrong, the percentage is important, but the, it's more than percentage, it's also priority. Because it's not just any one out of ten, it's the first one out of ten. You know, in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 4, you've got Cain and Abel, and they both bring offerings to, to sacrifice in front of the Lord, right? One just brings some, you know, some of their harvest. And the other brings the first. Abel brings the first. And God likes Abel's and doesn't like Cain's. Why? Because Abel brought the first. And Cain just brought some. So, so it's not just any of ten. It's the first of ten. And the reason that's the case is this is an opportunity for us to declare who means the most to us. God, you're so important to me that I give you the first. I don't take the first. I don't consume the first. I give you the first. You're first. I'm second. It's, it's a barometer, really, of where our hearts are. It acknowledges that God is the source of everything we have, and we put Him first by giving Him the first. Have you also ever thought about the beauty of this? This is amazing to me. I don't know, maybe you're like an economic wizard, but this, this blows my mind. And here's why. Everyone in this room, we all got different jobs, make different incomes, have different you know, levels of financial blessing. But because of something like tithing, we can all give the same. Now, we all don't give the same amount, but we can all give the same portion. And we can all give the same priority. That blows my mind. That's genius. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant that, that whether you make $1,000 a week or $500 a week or $15,000 a week, we can all participate equally and yet differently. Isn't that just boggle your mind that God is that brilliant? Because as we say around here, it's not about equal amounts. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. That is astounding. We can all participate the same way, differently. And look, look a few months ago, six months ago, we, we did a 90-day tithing challenge. And we encourage you, look, if you, haven't, if you haven't been a tither, jump into this. Do it for 90 days. If God doesn't come through for you, we'll return your money. We'll give it to you back. You know what? You can still do that on our website. Give, 90-day tithing challenge. You take it. And we'll make the same guarantee. Look, if you do this and you sign, you say, I'm going to do the 90 day tithing challenge. I'm going to sign up. And God doesn't come through for you, we'll give you your money back. All of it. 100%. Why? Because we believe in God. We believe that strongly that when God says that he will rebuke the devourer, that he will cause the, the windows of heaven to open upon us, we believe it. We take him at his word. And so here's what happens. We experience integrity, stewardship, generosity. Then we get to a place where our only focus is on eternal returns. 
Because really, the, the truth is that the bottom line of any account ledger should be eternity. Eternity. Because the purpose, look, the purpose of our money is not for us to consume it. It's for us to, to grow the kingdom of God. That's why God blesses us with financial blessings. And so what happens is when we are at a place where we can focus on eternity, we're at a place that we might call freedom. And that's starkly different than where you end up on the other cycle. The other cycle, you end up in slavery. This cycle, you end up in freedom. And when you have freedom, of course you can be have integrity in your finances. And continue to manage the continued financial blessing and be generous and make an eternal difference because you're in freedom. Freedom. Like I said, our, our fresh air and our finances really centers around one choice. Fresh air or stale air. That's the choice. Fresh air cycle, stale air cycle. The cho choice is yours. Can't make it for you. But I hope today that I have, I have at least encouraged you to really consider, well, do I want to have the fresh air cycle or the stale air cycle? Because the choice is ours. The choice is yours. And once we settle on that choice, then we can begin taking steps. We can begin taking the next step. Today, your next step might be, look, i got to go home and i got to pull out receipts and i got to have a couple of days where, you know, my mind's just bouncing off the wall. I got to make an inventory so I can move on to step two. That might be your next step today. If that is, on the bottom of your program, you'll notice my next step is you might want to write, make an inventory. I got to make an inventory. That's my next step. But you might be there already. You might you might have a budget. You need, my next step is I got to follow what I put on paper. That's my next step. Or you might be at a step where it says, you know what, I've done these, I'm good here. I got to start practicing generosity. My next step is to become a percentage giver. You know what? Some of you may not be able to start at 10%. It may so overwhelm you. You're like, oh, Pastor, I can't. I'm not there. You know what? It's fine. Start at 2%. You won't even miss it. Start at 1%. You won't even miss it. You don't even know it's gone. The key is to start somewhere. And then as, you, as your faith grows and your trust in God grows, take it up a tick. 2%, 3%. Eventually you'll be at 10% and you'll begin experiencing this eternal return and freedom because here's the weird, bizarre thing that I can attest to personally. I've been able to do more in my life with 90% than I ever could with 100. Times in my life where I struggled and, and had all that financial stress, I wasn't a tither. Put God first, made this decision, everything else seemed to line up. Why? Because of priority. Priority. So here's what I want you to do today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you need, what your next step is. I, I challenge you this week to change one thing. Whether you know Jesus or not, look, you don't have to be a Christian to understand that you would rather be in this kind of position than the other position. What's one thing you can change about the way you handle and relate? to your personal finances? Do you need to give to someone in need? Do you need to give God the first portion? Do you need to, to choose to, to, do you need to not choose to purchase something that's not in your budget? I don't know. What is your thing? 
that you can do this week. And if all that seems overwhelming, while we pray, ask God. Again, if you don't, you know, you're not into God, you don't believe in all that, just, you know, pray. Take a chance. What, what's it going to hurt? You just say, Lord, I don't even really know if this is real, but what's one thing I could change? And if you need help, like I said, we've got resources on our website, verticalchurch.tv. You can go there, download those, go to those links. It's going to help you get on the fresh air cycle. One more passage of scripture and then we'll pray. Because here's the, this is just beautiful. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is what I pray that that, that we do. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't give because we talk and we preach about giving today. God loves a cheerful giver. And this is the promise. Look at this promise. You can take this to the bank. This is as sure as your next paycheck. Surer than your next paycheck. Verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work that's our prayer for you today that's what we want for you we want you to abound in every good everything that you do that you would have all that you need at all times let's pray together thank you so much for joining us today We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.